Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 212 of Yoga Land. Hi, Jason. Hello. I'm starting the old fashioned way. You're here. I'm happy you're here. We're going to talk on this episode about a yoga teacher's scope of practice, especially in regards to pain and injury. Yes. Right? Yeah. We're on a roll here with our injuries content because you've been working on your ebook that is a companion to your new online preventing and managing common yoga injuries course. And that starts early November and is open for registration now. This is a little shameless promo. If you want to go register for the course after you listen to this podcast, you can go to jasonyoga.com slash injuries. This is a tough one. This is really, really difficult because when we're talking about our scope, our scope is to teach yoga, period. But the reality is a lot of people that come to our classes have injuries. The other reality is when we're teaching yoga, you can be injured. And so injuries kind of one way or another, they kind of filter into the yoga environment, right? And I think one of the most important things to do as a teacher is to kind of step back and say, what are the things that I can morally, ethically, skillfully, and responsibly manage? And then what are the things that that I can't, Mm -hmm. right? Where do I start to maybe transgress my role as a yoga teacher and start to become a remarkably uneducated medical provider? We have to really be skillful. This is a very tactful and yet pretty subtle line to find. And as I've been thinking about it, a couple of things come up for me. And the first thing that comes up for me is I have worked with several different doctors of sports medicine and orthopedists over the years, uh, both professionally, meaning I've partnered with them to create contents. But also I've worked with them as a patient and I've worked with many of these people as my students, right? And I want to bring up like two very different schools of thought. One from someone I worked with quite a bit named Dr. Paul Roach. And then another school of thought, which is Dr. Brian Lau. And these two are going to give us two, I think, kind of different baselines to start with, okay? When I worked with Dr. Paul Roach, who's a doctor of sports medicine and a specialist in orthopedics, especially focusing on shoulders, and when we created content together and when he has taught in my trainings, Paul is pretty withholding of medical information. You know, he'll talk about the buckets. He'll talk about frozen shoulder. He'll talk about rotator cuff. He'll talk about impingements, but he really doesn't in the context of teaching yoga or even teaching teachers, he doesn't like to talk that much about how the medical world deals with those pathologies. Hmm. He more kind of wants us to understand an overview of what the injuries are and what the pathologies are. And then he wants us to go straight to the yoga. And what he means by that is he wants us to really let symptoms dictate our decisions as teachers He doesn't want us to kind of pick and choose from the medical literature of how these injuries are treated in a physical therapy environment. Can you give an example of what you mean by he wants you to 
you said something like how symptoms dictate. Yeah. Okay. So let's say this. Let's say that someone has a, someone comes in and someone says, my shoulder hurts and I have a rotator cuff injury. Okay. Okay. He wants us to go straight to when in yoga Mm. does this injury occur? Oh, well, it happens when I'm in downward facing dog and it happens when I bind. Okay. Let's change the way you do downward facing dog and let's change the way you bind. Right. So he wants us to kind of understand. So you're not trying to, in other words, like part of his messages to teachers, you don't have to worry about healing this injury. Like hopefully this person is telling you they have a rotator cuff injury because they've already sought some kind of medical professional whom they trust. Correct. Your role is to troubleshoot how to deal with that injury while they're in the room with you. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And so in this way, he wants to help steer us away from being an unqualified clinician, mm-hmm. right? And I get it. I, I actually kind of, you're going to see, I kind of lean pretty heavily into that because ultimately in the end, my responsibility is not to fix the injury. My responsibility is to teach them yoga in spite of the injury. And if they can do yoga well in spite of the injury without making it worse, there's probably going to be a therapeutic upside. But let's get to that point later on, okay. right? More, I kind of want to stay within this. Because I, I think we, when we're dealing with our scope, we need these kind of couple of different examples, right? So you have the example of Paul, who, again, let's stay with the shoulders. We learn about shoulders. We teach shoulders. We understand technique of postures and shoulders. And then we review kind of the basic pathologies of shoulders. But what he doesn't tend to want to incorporate is how in a clinical setting of physical therapy, you would go about treating that condition, Yeah. right? Moreover, he would want us to say, okay, what are the symptoms that are manifesting when you're doing yoga? When are you feeling this in your practice? And then can we look at you do those postures? And when we see you do those postures, can we see them and can we try to troubleshoot them, right? So that we are helping the person do yoga, but we are not providing a specific course of treatment. Can I ask, I I might be getting you off course here a little bit, but- No worries. Does he feel that there's any difference between someone coming to you and saying, I fell last week during a rugby game with my friends and I tore my rotator cuff versus all I do is yoga and- I'm pretty sure I injured my rotator cuff doing yoga. No, because the outcome is going to be like a traumatic injury or a repetitive stress injury is going to be a traumatic or repetitive stress injury wherever you got it Okay. for the most part. And my job is not to fix the thing that you injured in rugby. My thing is to deal with the thing that you injured in rugby and know how to help you do yoga postures in such a way that you can not increase the symptom pain, but you can decrease the symptom pain. So my job in this situation is to entirely regulate the way you're doing the practice, not treat your injury. Isn't it kind of funny that rugby came to mind for me before like a basketball game <laughs> yeah, or something? You were probably thinking about Chris, Chris or something. Yeah, 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 yeah It's okay, like we have okay. a, a friend whose dad is uh, from New Zealand, is Kiwi. So all of our um, UK and Australian and Kiwi listeners will relate to that question. So the... You know, part of the reason I asked that question is I can just I can just hear the potential 
listeners out there, and I think you said you're going to get to this. So just tell me if you're going to get to this, but I can just hear people out there potentially, potentially saying to themselves, but yoga is a healing and therapeutic modality. And why don't you focus on healing their injury in the yoga room? Okay. Um, can we get to that? Totally. And can you please make sure that you bring that up? Yeah. Because this is, I think, a really important conceptual point. And I, I think we need as a community to understand the mechanism of healing in the yoga world versus the mechanism of healing in the world of orthopedics or sports medicine or in the world of pathology-based institutions or processes, okay? Okay. So when I said that Paul is a little bit more withholding of information, I don't mean that negatively. What I mean is he doesn't want you to have enough information that you're dangerous. Right, right, right. (laughs) Because, right, because your job is actually not to be a clinician. People that want to be a clinician, they're welcome to go to medical school. But you can't really ethically short circuit that, which doesn't mean that you cannot help people with their injuries. You can. Okay. Okay. But it's that the access point of it is different. It's not, I am trying to fix your injury and I am going to prescribe to do A, B, C, D, E. Instead, I want to understand your injury. I want to understand the symptoms you're experiencing in your injury. And then I want to help you tailor your yoga practice so that injury does not present when you are doing yoga. And if you can do yoga consistently without making it worse, it's probably going to make it better. Okay. Right? Yeah. So now you have, on the other hand, someone that's a little bit a little bit more forthcoming with, I don't want to say more forthcoming, but, a li- but, but fills in a little bit more of the medical story. Okay. Which is Dr. Brian Lau, who is a doctor of sports medicine and a professor of traumatology in Hong Kong. Um, he has worked extensively with the Hong Kong Olympic athletes, and he's in, in another role right now. And I've taught with him, and he's been a student of mine, and I've taught with him and consult with him a lot, right? And I've, I've really been influenced by his sensibilities. And when he has taught in my advanced training in Hong Kong, he's much more willing to kind of spell it out. So let's shift to, from talking about shoulder as an example, let's shift to sacroiliac joint issues. So Brian is much more willing not to just describe sacroiliac injuries, but to talk a little bit about how he thinks about a course of treatment, right? He's much more willing to say, okay, here's what we want to do. We want to main the the structural integrity of the ligaments in the area. We want to make sure that the piriformis has good eccentric strength. We want to make sure that the anterior core has good strength. We want to make sure that the multifidi are strong. We want to give, you know what I mean? He's, he's much more inclined to kind of not just talk about like, here's the injury, here's how to not make it worse. He's much more inclined to say, this is how I think about it from a clinical perspective and actually trying to do more correctives, hmm. right? And that, that I use that word because that's the word that's used kind of in the functional training world as correctives. Okay. In the yoga world, we kind of use the word therapy or therapeutics. That world kind of uses correctives, right? Okay. So it'd kind of be like, my sacroiliac joint hurts. Paul's sensibility is a little bit more like, okay, let's understand why. 
Let's make sure we don't make it worse. And if we don't make it worse, but you can continue to practice, guess what? Your body's going to get better. Brian's going to be a little bit more all those things, but he's going to say, and we can probably actually be a little bit more proactive, not prescriptive, but we can be proactive. We can kind of say, okay, well, let's also follow these other guidelines and say, if you are having this, these SI stuff, you really have to strengthen your piriformis. But if you strengthen it too much and get stiff, you might have piriformis outlets. You know what I mean? He's, he's much- So like, in other words, so would he then connect the dots between like, you've identified potentially the person needs to strengthen their piriformis, you can then give them some alternative- Things to do. Class. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly, exactly. And again, he, of course, stays very shy of making claims, making prescriptions, like all these things in a non-medical environment, yeah. right? I'm bringing these two people up because I'm I'm influenced by both of them. I've learned both of them, and I totally understand and respect their approach to it, right? And they help me, especially when they are teaching yoga, help me understand my scope. Mm-hmm. Because, and Brian makes it really, really clear, and Paul makes it really clear. It's like, when I'm teaching you yoga class, I'm not providing medical care, that's not, I, I, yes, I am a licensed doctor, but I am not doctoring you now. I just have more information in dealing with this particular injury, mm-hmm. right? I remember kind of early on, because we're still really thinking about scope, right? I remember early on when I met Paul, I didn't know that he was a doctor and I didn't know he was an orthopedist. And I was, it's kind of a long story, but I'll be quick. I, I was in a room with three people as myself. Paul and a guy named Brian, three guys in a yoga class, right? It's t- typical yoga class. <laughs> uh, but it was before class started. It was at the Mind Body Center at the San Francisco Bay Club where I was running that program. And they were both consistent students of mine, but I didn't know them personally, okay? And I was really early for class and they were in there just warming up. And so we were chatting around and Paul and Brian were talking about Paul had a surgery scheduled for the following week on his medial meniscus. Oh, wow. Right? And I was like, oh, what's going on? And he's like, oh, my medial meniscus is torn, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I said, well, when when is that bugging you? You know, as like, is that bugging you in yoga class? This was like 20 minutes early, right? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, what poses? I'm like, you want to, do you want to play around a little bit? And I can't fix your meniscus, but let's look at the poses that are problematic for you and see if we can make it not a problem for you. And he was like, do you mind? I said, no, this would be great. So we do this and he shows me all the poses that he's having medial knee pain in. And I just, I helped him do all of them in a way where he didn't have medial knee pain. So, because it was simple, it's actually a really simple corrective, right? But I didn't fix his meniscus. I changed the way that he was doing yoga postures to stop offending his meniscus. And by stop offending his meniscus, he was no longer going through that inflammation-triggered cycle. So we're, we're doing this, and Brian at some point starts to laugh. Brian was like a really funny guy. He starts laughing, and he's like, he's like, look at the orthopedic surgeon being told what to actually do with his knee. And I looked at Paul, and I'm like, you're a surgeon? He's like, you weren't supposed to know that. Oh, wow. And I said, Why? And he said, because I don't, he's like, most doctors or medical providers or clinicians, they, they, in yoga, they don't, 
they don't want to go. They, that's not the role they're playing. Yeah. And he's like, you know, like, I really want to see what you and my others teach. And I don't want you to be encumbered uh-huh. by the fact that, like, I know clinical anatomy really well. Right. And he's like, he's like, and plus, like, I really make my entire living on about five millimeters of the body. Well, it's very interesting. You know? Like, knees are not his specialty. Totally. So and- 10, 20 years ago, he studied knees, but it's not what he deals with day in and day out. Right. And it's not the way that he interfaces with the body. And this is something that we talked about forever. He's like, I know surgical interventions and I know microanatomy, but you know how how the body works best together. And it's like, that's not my specialty. It's just not, right? But anyways, the reason that I bring up that point is not to is not to like give myself a pat on the back, though I think I kind of fit that in. Deserve. Oh, trust me, there's been so many things I have not been able to help people with. But but in that conversation, the thing that came out of Paul was, look, I also don't want the people in class to know that I'm a, a orthopedist hmm. because I don't want to start fielding questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, it's not that I don't want to help people, but that's not the zone I'm in. Right. You know, and I don't want the teacher asking me questions. I don't want me as the student spacing out, getting a little bit of space from my job. I don't want to sit here and like have everyone know. And then they're going to come up to me and be like, when I bend my knee, it cracks. Is that okay? (laughs) And it happens, you know, the moment that, the moment that comes out. Right. And he's like, and it's not that I can't give an answer. It's that it's that to me to give a quick, short answer to a problem is totally unethical. Mm. It's totally unethical. So for me, to actually make a claim, make a diagnosis, have a prescription, do follow-up, I need to give you a clinical evaluation. And so for me to give you advice without a full clinical examination is derelict of my duty. It's not appropriate for me to do. And and, And so that's where Paul, I'm sure Brian is in his way too, but that's where Paul was extremely like, look, if you do not have the ability to give a clinical exam, if you cannot read MRIs, if you cannot issue MRIs, if you can't read and issue x-rays, if you can't look at blood tests, please don't start dispensing medical advice. Just help them do yoga poses in a way that doesn't hurt. It's so much more simple, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Brian's the same way. The only thing that was different is like, he would just open a little bit more of a window into thinking about how if something was diagnosed, like a hamstring attachment injury, what his protocol would be. And one of the reasons he would do that, which you would talk to me about, is these things are well-published anyways. Hmm. Like the protocols for a for hamstring tendinopathy, you can Google that. That's yeah. not hidden information. Yeah. The protocols for medial meniscus, there's protocols for these things. Anterior hip labrum, there's, there's kind of basic protocols for these things that are in the general public. Right. So he would make it really clear with us, like, you're still not providing medical advice. You're not making claims. Not making a diagnosis. You're not making a diagnosis. But you are learning a little bit more. Like, you might not be a chef, but you can learn more about how chefs think Mm -hmm. for your own home cooking, Mm -hmm. you know? And so he was just kind of much more forthright with that additional layer of information. 
When I step back and I look at both of these scenarios, a couple things jump off the page at me, okay? Which is, as a yoga teacher, it is beyond your scope to make claims. It is beyond your scope to provide a diagnosis. And it's beyond your claim to do any kind of overt treatment, right? Or overt prescription, right? You don't have the full capacity to give a clinical evaluation with all of the medical insights that someone else does, right? Yeah. You just don't. And that for me means in reality that actually I spend the majority of my time as a yoga teacher kind of just focusing on the yoga. Mm -hmm. I don't actually spend a whole lot of time saying, oh, your medial knee hurts, that medial meniscus hurts. Okay, here are the seven poses you should do now to fix it, right? I spend much more of my time saying, okay, let's make sure every single posture you're doing, you're doing it in a way that is skillful and not problematic for your body. Let me, I feel, I spend more time being a tailor than I spend being a healer, mm -hmm. right? I spend more time saying, okay, let's keep doing this. Let's keep doing this. Let's keep doing this. Oh, this hurts the medial knee. Let's figure out a different way to do this. Let's find a different way to replace this so that we are getting out of the way. We aren't continuing to create harm. We are focusing on yoga. We're not making yoga physical therapy, right? And in doing so, we're staying within our teaching scope, but we're doing it with a very high level of skill. And we're trusting the yoga and the body's ability to heal itself, given the proper conditions. We're letting that work. What if someone comes to you, let's say, after class, and let's just say they're a long-time student, like it's it's Amy or it's Doug. Okay, so it's someone you know very well. Do How much cash do they have in their envelope? <laughs> well, this is like why I'm establishing that they're a long-time student because they're asking for more assistance than perhaps a new student would ask yeah. for. And they come to you and they say, I have a medial meniscus injury. Yes. Can you give me like five things I can do, poses I should be doing or that I yes. can do at home? Would you do that? Yes. Okay. Now, I would do that under very specific kind of parameters. Yeah. Okay? So the first parameter that I would do is, listen, I'm going to give you some things to do. I am not a doctor. Mm -hmm. And th they know that I'm not a doctor. <laughs> they know that. It's yeah. true. Amy and Doug know that. And I'm going to say, essentially what I am doing is I'm just filtering information for you. If you really want the best information, you need a clinical exam right? Or you've had a clinical exam, right? So I want to say, okay, here are the things that you can try and here are the basic concepts. I'm not your medical provider, but it's fine for me to tell you how to strengthen your piriformis and how to strengthen your vastus medialis, right? So I can kind of be their filtering mechanism and I can provide them with some kind of conceptual oversight of how to address that particular issue. But I also tell them that I don't think that they should do that without monitoring their symptoms and working with a professional. Mm -hmm. The other thing which I so prefer to do and I do all the time is I say, 
are you working with a PT? Mm -hmm. And they say, yes. And I say, if you feel comfortable, next time you come to me, give me the little notes that your PT have given you. Tell me what your PT wants you to do. Tell me what your PT wants you to not do. And then I will give you more yoga-based things that are like that. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then I'm complimenting someone else's professional scope, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm staying in my lane. Like, I think the yoga lane is massively vast. You know, this is kind of what I was saying at the beginning. It encompasses so many things. The other thing is because I am not cutting, because I am not providing x-rays, because I'm not providing some sort of medical procedure, the risk of me being wrong is super low right? It's different, right? If, if I'm like, okay, your inside of your knee has been hurting you. Okay. Here are a couple of things I think would, what might be helpful, try these out. And listen, the moment this doesn't feel right, do it. Just don't just stop. Yeah. I'm giving you a starting place. See how this stuff works. And if it feels good, run with it. If you're getting symptom pain, I'm not qualified to take you through that symptom pain, right? And you'll see this when you work when you work with people that are high-level physical therapists, there is often a pain of process, right? Is that anyone that has gone through a rehab process, your presiding physio did not say, okay, the moment you feel uncomfortable, stop, right? They have you work through that stuff mm-hmm. because they know, they know for the most part, that when you are rehabbing from an ACL injury or a rotator cuff injury or whatever it is, they have a much greater understanding of what kind of pains in the rehab process is productive Mm -hmm. versus what kind of pains are destructive. Mm -hmm. I don't really know that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's, it's much safer and more responsible for me to say, okay, you want me to give you a few things that I think could actually help? promote a little bit more comfort post lower back herniation. Now that you're not acute, but you're practicing, you want a couple of things for me to give you to do totally. But if you have symptom pain, you need to stop because I don't know what kind of symptom pain might be good and what might not be good. Mm-hmm. That's on you. So here are a couple of things that you can start with, see how that goes. It's really interesting because when we think about the Krishnamacharya lineage, like you have, you know, Patabi Joyce who taught his Ashtanga yoga. You have BKS Iyengar who obviously taught Iyengar yoga. And then you have TKV Desikachar who I don't know what they call his yoga anymore, but I think it's just the yoga of Desikachar. Kate Holcomb is one of Desikachar's strongest lineage holders. And she lives in San Francisco. And his system was is explained as the most therapeutic of those three, right? Of those three lineage holders that I, that I mentioned. And so most therapeutic and most personalized. It's taught one-on-one. I went to Kate Holcomb when I was going through fertility treatment and really stressed out. And You were stressed out? <laughs> the what you are describing is exactly what she did did with me and for me. She didn't ask to see my labs. She didn't ask what my specific fertility issue was. She didn't. And and I mean, it is a little bit different because it's a more esoteric sort of health issue to be dealing with than like a knee that hurts. But what you are describing 
is exactly the type of therapeutic yoga she taught. Sure. So it's, yeah. And, and a, a really a key thing in that that you spoke of is that the process in that lineage is one-on-one, mm-hmm. right? And so to me, it's a very different thing if I have a one-on-one client versus I have someone in a public class. Those are totally different environments. I'm not a doctor in either one of those, but I can observe in a one-on-one setting what works and what doesn't work much more readily, and I can be responsive to those needs. I can say, you know what? I thought these things were going to work. I thought these these backbends and these gentle twists and these strengtheners were going to work, but they don't seem to actually be helping very much. So you want to pivot? You want to go a different direction, right? It's much easier for me to modulate in a one-on-one environment than it is in a group environment, right? Right. And I think, yeah, I think that that's a, that's a really good example. And I think for her and for anyone in that situation, knowing again, it's like knowing that lane, that yoga is kind of strange because it encompasses a lot of lanes. And yet there are certain lines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are certain lines. I'll say also like, I don't think that being a yoga teacher should be like a quick, simple, expedited way to try to fix people and like heal every little issue. I don't think that we should be using information that we learn in the yoga practice, even in training, to teach outside of our scope. Even though I am really good with helping people manage and minimize injuries, I know that I'm not following a pathology model. I know that I am not saying you have X, Y, or Z. I don't even say you might have X, Y, or Z mm-hmm. because the because there's something that happens, which is students, especially students that are disclosing injuries or conditions to you are doing so in a way where they often have a certain vulnerability and they are assuming that you have a certain competence and power, right? And a certain skill sets. Mm-hmm. And so for me, even if I were to say, oh yeah, I think that might be blah, 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 blah. That person is going to think that that's what it is. Yeah. You know? And so you have to be really, you have to be really, 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 really clean, right? You really, really do because without a proper diagnostic evaluation, I don't think you should say like, oh, well, it's probably this, that, or another thing. That's a big reason people go to medical school is to figure out those differential diagnoses. There's so much that can be going on, especially in a shoulder, especially in the lower back, especially in the sacroiliac joint, you know, like, I mean, not to be a fear monger, but what's a podcast without some fear mongering? No, I think it's, I think no, it's, no, where I'm not even, I'm even getting there, oh. but like, there's a lot of pains that are caused by tumors. Yeah. There's a lot of pains that are caused by tumors. That's why you get a blood test. That's why you get ultrasounds. That's why you get x-rays, you guys. And that's why it's it's actually so important that we don't that we don't transgress this scope and at the same time we do try to help people feel better in their bodies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so and so that's where I said at the beginning of this like I love talking about this stuff, but this is difficult, you know? I think another thing to just kind of just remind people of, I I brought this up is Even doctors don't doctor in a group yoga class. They don't. 
They don't. I, I can think of other yoga teachers who are doctors, right? You and I know a couple of them. And when they're teaching, they are drawing on their vast scope of knowledge without a doubt. But they don't know if that lower back pain that you're experiencing is a disc herniation. They don't know if it's a weak muscle. They don't know if it's a psoas issue. They don't know if it's a tumor. Mm -hmm. They don't know. Mm -hmm. So they're going to give you the best advice to problem solve the pose. And then if you need a deeper evaluation, it doesn't happen between hello and shavasana. It happens in a clinical setting with them because they know that they don't know mm -hmm. in that environment. And they, and they, they can't lead you to believe that they have all the information on the table, right? I think another thing that comes up is like, you know, just summing up a couple of things is I don't focus on fixing the injury. And this kind of is getting back to, I think, what your initial question was earlier, right? About, yeah, people who might want to ask, don't you think that yoga is inherently therapeutic or don't you want to try to heal someone's totally. injury through yoga? Totally. But that's where I have to understand the mechanism. And I have to take my own narcissism out of the equation. And I, we might lose a listener or two, but man, I don't think a healer exists. I don't. I think that guides exist. I think that really intuitive, skillful people exist. I think that skill and intellect and experience exist. But I have never healed anyone. It's actually doing the practice that has a healing effect, okay? And the reason that this is so important is because people get taken advantage of in this world. And they get taken advantage in, in, of in yoga big time. And it's it, the thing is, it's actually not that difficult to, how do I say it right? It's not difficult for me as a teacher to make you believe that all the good feeling that you get from you doing yoga is because of me. And that card is awful. It's a path toward giving up your power basically and yes ending up in situations you don't want to be in now again this again this isn't to say that i mean you could say that you have a healing relationship with me or i could say that ginger well, like, the dog has a healing I'll, i can give an example from yeah. my own life like i went to acup acupuncture for years for like various issues and my both of the acupunctures i went to actually had like two different periods the acupuncture was very effective and working with them was very effective. For exactly. Me. But yeah, they were not claiming to heal me. So let's say that there was healing involved in that. My inclination is that that healing is a mechanism of how your body is responding to the phenomenon of treatments, not that someone from the outside is zapping you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's the same thing to me, right? It's like, do I think yoga is therapeutic? Yes. Do I think that our relationship is therapeutic? Yes. Do I think that having an awesome dog is therapeutic? Yes. Is it the same thing as receiving therapy? No, it's not. Not, not, in, not in how I see it, mm -hmm. okay? So, and again, that, this isn't to say that, that, that there can't be good yoga therapeutics. Of course there can. But we're kind of talking about a little bit more of a general situation. Okay. 
let's actually assume that the nature of yoga is therapeutic. That kind of proves my thesis. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is what Ramanan would say all the time. And Ramanan was, Ramanan Patel is without a doubt for me, the most technically sound, skillful, intelligent asana teacher that I have ever come across in my entire life. And I've been blessed to have a lot. Okay. But Ramanan had on his homepage forever, he would say, I do not teach therapeutic yoga. Yoga is inherently therapeutic when it is done in such a way that it is tailored to the individual. I will help tailor your practice to you. So what he's saying in that situation and kind of what I'm saying in this situation is if you're able to mitigate the symptoms, if you're able to figure out, hey, I do have a rotator cuff injury. So how do I do a yoga practice in such a way that it is not making it worse? Well, if you're able to practice yoga and not make something worse, then you're able to have the therapeutic effect. Mm -hmm. Now, is it going to be strong enough therapy or strong enough medicine to correct the underlying specific injury? It depends. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. That's why sometimes you need a specialist, you know? And that's where like, I actually really believe in yoga, which is why I believe that I need to help you do yoga, not pretend I'm a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. Even though as far as yoga teachers know, as go, I spent a lot of time working with high level professional doctors, mm -hmm. you know, and, and really trying to understand how they think about different things. So I can say in my role, how do I take this insight while staying in my role? Yeah. It's a really interesting thing to talk about this. I want to just say one more thing, and hopefully I'm not getting us off track, but when you talk about, you know, I don't consider myself a healer, I consider yoga healing. I mean, it actually reminds me of talk therapy, right? Because it's so often when you go into talk therapy, you project your healing onto the therapist. Yes. You just, you know, you just like people fall in love with their therapists or people just feel like they can't live without their therapist totally. because the therapist, you know, is helping them with everything. And really a good therapist is a healer if they can provide the container and the space, but they can also keep themselves out of it. Yes. So that the person understands that it's their process. They're responsible for it. They are the catalyst for it and, it, and they can make it happen through the techniques and the container that the therapist is providing. So in a sense, that is the healing aspect of being a yoga teacher. There is that being able to provide the container, being able to provide the encouragement, the space, the knowledge, but being able to also, like you said, keep your ego in check so that the person owns their experience. I think the word that's coming to mind right now is facilitator. Yeah, yeah. Because when I think about this, right, is let's stay on the on the talk therapy mechanism, right? That person, like finding a good therapist, right? That that's a big deal, right? So there has to be a rapport there, mm -hmm. right? But is that person the healer, or is the process healing? To me, again, not this isn't this shouldn't be like one or the other. But to me, I think the process is well, healing. Well, it is the process. It is the but process. But what I'm saying is it also depends on 
how you respond to that person holding space for the process to happen. Yes, I guess you're right. I guess this is where where I where I have my internal resistance to the word healer is to me, it makes me feel like that person is casting a spell upon you. Yeah, I mean, and that you don't spell even have is to, the thing. I wasn't necessarily stuck on that word. Yeah. And and I think I think the point that I want to get on is like you, it's you doing the thing, mm-hmm. right? Arguably same thing as prayer, right? I mean, now we're really going off off the rails, right? Mm-hmm. But like if we think about that for a moment, like I am not a particularly religious person. And at the same time, I'm sure prayer is an incredibly healing and valuable thing. Now, do I personally think that if I pray for someone, that that message goes somewhere to some external deity and then that deity like then grants you grace based on my request? No, that's not how I see it. I understand that other people will see it that way and that's okay. It's not how I see it. But do I think the process, the actual experience of the prayer, the surrender, the feel, the tone, do I think that that has an inherent upside value to it? Of course. Yeah. Of course. That's what I'm saying is like, of course yoga is therapeutic. It's not necessarily where I want to get my specific therapy for my rotator cuff injury. It's like, in some ways, it's so helpful. Yoga is so helpful because it's so holistic and it's so complete, but it's also not as targeted. Right? So if I have a specific pathology or if a specific medical condition, right? Like, you think about, you know, you, you went through surgery with breast cancer, you went through radiation. That's targeted. Yoga can't be <laughs> targeted like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So is yoga healing and therapeutic? Yes. Does it help you regulate? Does it help set up the body and the nervous system and the mind so that you can deal with the situation better? Yeah, probably. Does it actually do the intervention? No. And to believe that, you'd have to be missing something, okay? Because it's not targeted like that. I would actually say the same thing about a more minor event is that even for me, when I think about like strengthening my biceps or strengthening my hamstrings, can I do that in yoga? Yes. Is it super targeted? No. If I want to strengthen a specific thing, is it easier to get a resistance band? Yes, because it's more targeted. And so if you're looking to actually do a specific therapy for a specific thing, you can incorporate that into yoga, but it's not that targeted. It's more holistic. Yeah. Right? The last thing or two I want to make sure I I drop in is it's really important to know what we don't know as yoga teachers, right? And we talked about this a little bit. I talk about this a lot with people in trainings is, our feedback loop is really skewed as teachers. We don't get a lot of feedback, and usually the feedback we get is totally positive, right? And I was talking about this in the should you ask whether students have injuries or not conversation we had. And one of the things that comes up is you're going to get a lot of feedback over the years as a teacher of like, oh, my God, 
I saw the best therapist. I just went to the best chiropractor. I've been doing all this thing. Nothing has helped my lower back. And oh my God, this class was so good. My lower back feels so good. You are a healer. And at some point, you might believe it. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's, that's okay. But that doesn't mean you can heal a lower back. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you might have healed a lower back. Maybe the yoga practice did. Maybe you know a thing or two. I know a thing or two. Do I think that I can help you with your lower back? Totally. Do I know exactly the mechanism of what is problematic in your lower back? I know I don't know. Mm -hmm. I know I have some clues. I know I can kind of go with certain odds, but I know I don't know. Yeah. But I do know that I can get your feedback on five different poses and see how they feel. Mm -hmm. especially if you were having one pose that was really problematic in your lower back, then I can say, you know what? Let's look at this one pose. Let's do it a couple of different ways. Let's think outside of the box. Let's do totally unconventional wisdom. Let's see if we can do something that's actually making this thing work for you because it's not currently working. But I have to know that I don't know if you have a spondylolisthesis, if you have a tumor, if you have some graded disc pathology, if you have a nerve entrapment, I now know I don't know those things. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that that's a, a very important part of education because the more educated you are, the more you know, not my job. Yeah. That is not me, man. I'm going to have to get someone to, I'm going to have to outsource this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you really, you kind of, you, you grow up a little bit. And you realize like, oh man, this is not my cup of tea. I Listen, I'm going to give you some things. We'll see if they help. We'll try to modify these poses. But dude, if you've been dealing with this and it's acute, been that way for a long period of time, I know I don't know. And I, th I think you should maybe see someone that does. Mm -hmm. I think the last thing that I want to really land on with this, which is really simple, which is I hope this conversation helps listeners feel like they can be boundaried because you're, as a yoga teacher, you genuinely want to help people be well. You don't just want to teach them this, that, and another thing. You want to help people be well. I do. And yoga is going to help them be well. But one of the things that's going to happen time and time and time again is people are going to forget they're in yoga class, especially if you're skillful and helpful, and they're going to seek your consultation on all sorts of things, all sorts of medical things, all sorts of injury-based or discomfort-based things. And I think by going through this conversation, you should feel more comfortable having certain boundaries. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like boundary, the, it is so hard, especially when you're newer or you're still insecure because it feels really good to help people. It feels really good to have the answers, but dude, don't give people a bad answer. Because they're going to believe it and they're going to act on it, yeah. you know, and they might act on it for a really long time, you know, so I don't want us to be hamstrung. I think there's so many things that we can do the next weeks, weeks or two, we'll, we can break down some individual situations like how would I deal with this thing in the knee? How would I deal with this thing in the shoulder to, to kind of go a little bit more in deep in specific cases, but I think the bottom line that you want to say to yourself is, am I giving this person yoga information or am I giving this person medical information? Yeah. Am I crossing the line? Am I crossing the line? And, and like we've both said, and we've acknowledged this whole time, 
that line is not super obvious or super clear, mm-hmm. but I think that we can really help people be well and that we don't have to pretend we're a doctor and we don't have to feel guilty because we're not. Right. That's a good point. That's a You know good what point. I mean? Like It's so easy to feel like people project so much onto you. You feel like you're supposed to have all this knowledge and you're supposed to know how to deal with every in- injury. And if you don't, then you're not a good enough yoga teacher when really what you're saying is, no, you're not supposed to know that. You didn't go to med school. Totally. Right. <laughs> and, and again, that's where like you summed it up really well. And be like, if you're sitting there at the beginning of a class and someone came up to you and was like, hey, you know what? Out front is my car. It's a 57 Chevy and it's making a clicking noise. <laughs> you're like, I, and? It's like, call and, click and clack. Cl- call click and clack. They're not on it. And, hey, you know what? My hair's gotten a little bit too long uh, and I'm getting gray. What do you think? It's like, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I play a hair, hairdresser <laughs> yeah, yeah, these yeah, days, yeah, yeah. so I could help you. But yeah. that's another story altogether. Yeah. Yeah. So, or someone. Yeah. It's we clear. got it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, this is a great conversation and it's exciting for me to get a little glimpse into all of the material that you're putting together, that you're typing away on every evening and going, I love this. <laughs> I think the thing that I'm he's so walking excited around about, lately going, nailed it. <laughs> I said this a couple times before, but like, I've been really talking about this a lot actually, is that I am a very verbal yoga teacher, but I am a very visual learner. Mm, Yeah. And I've always wanted to make more visual kind of infographic ways of helping people understand information. The other thing is when I write, it's really hard for me to like just get to the point. And what has helped you do that? Canva. Canva. So being able to like for each one of these videos provide like create the ebook visual stuff as primers to complement the way that we learn instead of essentially just writing down the same thing that I said. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's a, if it's a different process and it's, it's helping my brain organize information in a way that is, I, I'm enjoying. Canva.com. We're obsessed. I have a whole Canva Dude, we, we need to become Canva affiliates. I am. You are? Yeah. Seriously? I am. It's it, it's kind of a silly thing because Canva's so cheap, and so I don't even like, promote it. They give it, you like $1 but... billion dollars every time someone goes to Canva. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, what I was trying to say is that I have a whole module on Canva in my content blueprint training. And people are obsessed. It's so yeah, funny. It's so nice. My, on our little Facebook group, everyone's like, oh my God, I understand why Andrea is so obsessed with Canva. It's so amazing. I think what <laughs> up levels it for us too is that we be, we have like our- The brand uh, kit. We have the brand kit from our designer. Mm-hmm. You know, so having like the colors and the fonts and the and like- the, logo. the, the little The logo and the template. Yeah, that stuff. Good stuff. Oof. Good stuff. Oof. All right. Love well, it. thanks, Jason. Thank you. Okay, everyone, thanks for listening. I will put a link to Jason's Injuries Program on the show notes page, which you can find at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 212. Thanks as always for listening and until next week, enjoy your practice.